God is calling us to take our place of intercession for our nation. Last time we were talking about the key moment we are in our nation's history. You know, we've taken for granted for so long that we have had a nation based on Christian principles. We've not, not been perfect, but we have a tremendous Christian history um, that we have been throwing away. Basically, having our democracy has, on a, on, under the Christian faith, has enabled the spread of the gospel. And wherever, as it were, democracy has spread, and we have been a major nation behind that, the gospel has been free. And that's why in those democratic nations there has been a freedom for the gospel to go forth and many to be saved. Other nations haven't had that. They've had repressive authorities uh, and they haven't had that same freedom. And so we've, we've been blessed, we've been prospered as a result. And we've seen that after the World War II, we actually came under a curse because of our forsaking of our promises to Israel. Not only did we lose empire, we begin to lose our own sovereignty to a different system of government. And now in the, e the EU system of government, is not a Christian one, it is a secular humanistic one. It come out of the French Revolution, which rejected the law of God as, as the overriding uh, authority over the government. And instead, it just made the will of the people the ultimate authority. And what came out of that was people, for instance, like Napoleon and so on, and other forms of dictatorship arise, that assume to themselves what the will of the people is. And there is no restraint on their actions. There is no democracy. There is no restraint from the law of God. And so we've seen again and again in Europe, different dictators arise, uh, bringing repression. Uh, but the UK, we've, we've had a special, unique form of government that has preserved our freedom, has preserved our right to preach the gospel. But when we wedded ourselves to the EU, we came under that human, secular humanistic spirit. Now, in the EU, it does say we have freedom of religion, but it says that we only have a very limited freedom to manifest our religion. So there's a twist on words there. And that's why we're, it's getting harder and harder to share the gospel in the workplace, for example, and other places, in the public sphere. Because that doesn't come from our own Christian history, of course, that is the invasion, the slow invasion that we don't even notice because it happens so slowly. But it's coming again from the EU, which is that we don't have the ultimate right to manifest our religion. Yes, you can have freedom of religion to yourself, but that's how, just how it is in a Muslim nation. You cannot have the freedom to share the gospel. And that's increasingly, as we come under Europe, that's the way things are heading. There will, we lose our freedom to preach the gospel. And that's enshrined in the EU law, because our freedom to manifest the gospel is subject to the fact that, we're, that we can do it as long as we'd never offend anyone. Well, of course, <laughs> that's an, the gospel is an offense. And so what hap the, the real reason why I believe it's right for us to be out from the EU is that the principality that controls the EU is secular humanistic and it is hurting our ability to preach the gospel. God is sidelined in the running of society and that gives the demonic powers a much stronger hold. 
and are we are here to preach the gospel we are here you know jesus said the purpose is that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations then the end will come so god's purpose for this age is for us to get the gospel out and if we are under the wrong government the wrong then we are come under those associated principalities and powers our freedom to do this is restricted we cannot fulfill god's call upon us as a nation and so this is a vital issue that's why paul told timothy first of all i want you to pray for the, the kings and those in authority our, who we have in authority depends on our prayers and that's why I'm, i find it a great source of joy the fact that god has heard our prayers to the extent that, that something has risen up in our nation to reclaim our calling and our destiny as a, as a nation, to believe in who God has made us to be as a nation. And this is a necessary precursor for us to, to have revival, to, 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 to really fulfill our call to be a light to the nations. Praise God. And so the fact that we've taken the first step to leave the EU is a, is a major spiritual breakthrough to set us free from that principality of Europe that would want to control and dominate us and bring us under that, that darkness. We mustn't be satisfied with that because we, I believe we're going to see God's blessing more and more. God has chosen to favor us as a nation, to give us our sovereignty back, but we mustn't misuse it. We must take this opportunity to preach the gospel as never before and we need intercessors to take their place and we're all called to intercession to 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 bring about the the changes that are necessary we're going to see a change in the spiritual atmosphere over our nation and we're going to see the church rise up as never before and we're going to see tremendous things happen uh, as before just as God saved us from the French Revolution through the revival under Wesley and, and we were set free from that darkness that was coming from Europe. So again, I believe God wants to raise us up and set us free from that, the darkness that would come over Europe. And so that's why I believe this is so important. And if we don't rise up at this time, we will come under that darkness. Let me show you this from the standpoint of Bible prophecy as well. Let's go to Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. And this is where Nebuchadnezzar has uh, a dream. And Daniel tells him the dream in verse 31. He says, You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image, this great image whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. And the image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And you watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay, and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, silver and gold were crushed together, and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And here Daniel is, this, this dream describes the progress of the Gentile empires that would, the Gentile superpowers that would control Israel because Daniel was seeing what's called the times of the Gentiles of their dominion 
over Israel. And the first one, the head of gold, was, was Nebuchadnezzar uh, and, and Babylon. And then after that was Persia, and after that Greece. And then we come to the legs and, of iron and the feet of iron and clay. And it's the feet of iron and clay that are the final form of this Gentile world power. Uh, that keeps morphing into different shapes, but its name as a whole is Babylon. And this feat of iron and clay is clearly the final form of the Gentile powers when Christ returns, because we see this stone coming from heaven. This is the Messiah, and this stone hits the feet and destroys the feet, and then the whole statue collapses, which means that Christ's return, he judges that final form of that world empire, and then all the Gentile powers fall to the ground because Christ himself sets up his kingdom, which is the stone becomes a mountain that fills the earth. And that's when Christ will rule in his messianic kingdom over the earth. So we would be very interested to know what, what the world powers are. Now, he interprets it in verse 36. He says, this is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings. He's, in a sense, the head over the whole Gentile world powers. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of heaven, he's given them into your hand and made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. So that's Babylon, the head of gold. After you will arise another kingdom inferior to yours. That was Persia. And then after, a third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. And, and that was uh, Greece. And a fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everywhere. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. And the next kingdom in line, and Bible prophecy scholars have always identified this as Rome. And you have the two legs of iron, which is the eastern-western Roman empires. And so that seems to fit the prophecy perfectly. And whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And so this Roman empire it turns into feet of iron and clay, and that's a, a bit of a mystery. I think that for this statue to stand at all, this iron must, must be the underneath and then the clay covers the iron. So in other words you've got proper legs of um, iron, pure iron, but then you've got you know the feet of iron with surrounded by clay. I don't think it can be dabs of iron and dabs of clay because that would never support any weight. It's got to be a bit like a kind of you might imagine somebody with a, with, with a high-tech leg, you know, with, with the iron, the strength of the iron, but then surrounded by clay. And that's going to be the final form. And so it's talking about there's a continuation of the iron, which was the Roman Empire, a continuation that's called the revived Roman Empire. And by the way, the vision of Europe, the EU, is always to be a revived Roman Empire uniting Europe. And so there's going to be a revived Roman Empire that will be, consist ultimately of ten kings, the other prophecies talk us about, which is like these ten toes. And notice, though, there's also, it's partly of clay. So in verse 41 it says, um, 
it says, verse 40, the fourth kingdom will be strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything, and like iron that crushes, the kingdom will break in pieces and crush all others. Now notice, there's, there's not five kingdoms, it's four kingdoms. So, in other words, the feet of iron and clay are still a continuation of the legs of iron. It's all the fourth kingdom. So, the Roman Empire at the time of Jesus seemed to kind of change its form, but it predicts here there will be a revival of this Roman Empire that will be iron-like. In other words, it won't be democratic. It will be top-down government. Um, that ultimately the Antichrist in its final form will take control of. And that's the iron, very centralized control, like the Roman Caesars had ultimate power. So you would have this iron type of government. But it also talks about clay as well. Clay talks about perhaps more democratic type of government. So you've got this interesting mixture of iron and clay. Verse 41, he says, Whereas you saw the feet, of to feet and toes, partly of potter's clay, partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron, partly clay, so the kingdom will be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. Now this is interesting language, but this is predicting that the final form of the Roman Empire will actually, is, is the way the EU is heading right now. What will happen, you see, is that as it centralizes more and more, it will ultimately, the heart of the EU will become iron. It will become essentially, uh, it will integrate more and more and become a single unit under centralized control, not democratic at all. It, the EU president or whatever will, will, will begin to assume absolute powers, and that will be the iron. But not all nations will want to be part of that. That's certainly the way it seems the Eurozone is going to go. But other nations are the clay nations that will be around the EU that won't want to become iron. They will want to keep their democracy but they'll want to be associated with it. And so it says that it describes it as the seed, interesting language, they will mingle with the seed of men. And this is a reference to how, how treaties were made in the past. You see, you would marry off your daughter to the nearby king, and that way you will, you'll make a treaty, an alliance, in which you're, you're bound together. And so this is talking about the clay nations will be bound themselves to the iron uh, by treaties, by alliances, and so on. And so you'll see what they call a two-speed Europe. There'll be the iron core, but there'll be uh, those probably in the common market that will are bound through treaties, but not do not come under that total political integration. But both of those form what's called this Roman Empire. And that is the empire that is destroyed when Jesus returns again. And I believe that we shouldn't be either the iron or the clay. We need to be separated from the whole deal. And so it, it, it seems to be this prophecy is coming to pass. There will, there will be a core of iron, but then there will be clay nations that won't want to go all the way, but they'll keep a measure of separation, a measure of democracy. And But this will come under the judgment of God because great darkness will cover 
this Roman Empire. It will be the center of evil in the end times and ultimately the Antichrist will take control of it and God's judgment will come upon it in the tribulation and the second coming. And so, just to finish off the vision, it says, In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, and the kingdom will not be left to other people. It will break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and stand forever. Praise God. Inasmuch as you saw the stone cut out of the mountain without hands, that it broke into pieces the iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold, the great God has made this known to the king. What will happen? What will surely come to pass after this? And so I don't want to be part of the center of darkness on the earth, which is this revived Roman Empire. Now, I just should mention that there's another stream of prophetic scriptures and people are seeing that they believe that this final empire will be an Islamic empire because they point to many prophecies that indicate an Islamic uh, type of uh, empire, uh, a revived Ottoman empire. And I, I struggled, which is, which is it? Because um, I could see both had their merits. And, and I believe the Lord showed me that, in fact, it will be both are true. Because the revived Roman Empire, we think the EU is mostly the, the, the Western part of that. But the, now we see the immigration issues are causing Turkey now to, to now be accepted in the EU. I believe this will be the next major development that Turkey will join the EU, and through Turkey, with its open borders to the whole Islamic world, there will be a mass uh, Islamification of Europe is going to happen. And through Turkey, which is essentially a big part of the Eastern Roman Empire, and that's bordering on Syria too, we're going to see a, a new kind of Europe take place, which will, where Islam will actually become the, the major religion. And eventually it is possible under that scenario that we will actually have an Islamic Antichrist figure who is over the EU. Because the secularism of the EU makes it wide open. The only thing that would stop a vigorous, uh, is a vigorous Christianity. But secularism and atheism is just weak in itself and it's wide open to Islamification. And so I think that both may be true, that a great darkness is coming across Europe and it's going to, uh, we're seeing the fulfillment of end time prophecy there. But Britain is not necessarily going to be part of that. In fact, God's will is that we're not part of that. God's will is that we're free from that principality over Europe and that we fulfill our call and destiny to be a light to the nations, to... And the key to that is to keep our democracy, to keep our freedoms, to keep our Christian faith as a nation, and to be a launching pad for the gospel, for the light of God, to go across the nations. You see, the state of the government of our nation affects the preaching of the gospel. If we come under the darkness, it will come under a repression, and we won't have any freedom to preach the gospel. But praise God, God has shown that he's giving us a second chance to rise up again, to come back under the blessing of God. And so it's so vital that we fulfill our call and destiny as a nation, and I believe God's giving us that chance. I want to read to you a prophecy that was given in uh, 1911 concerning uh, 
the State of Nations. This was given uh, through uh, in Russia uh, by a monk to Mother Barbara, and m so much of it has come to pass. It's in Lance Lambert's book, The Battle for Israel. And it says, this is before the Russian Revolution, an evil will shortly take Russia, and wherever this evil comes, rivers of blood will flow. The evil will take the whole world, and wherever it goes, rivers of blood will flow because of it. It's not the Russian soul, but an imposition on the Russian soul. It's not an ideology or philosophy, but a spirit from hell. In the last days, Germany will be divided in two. France will just be nothing. Italy will be judged by natural disasters. Britain will lose her empire and all her colonies and will come to almost total ruin, but will be saved by praying women. And that's the key I wanted to emphasize. It will be saved through prayer. I believe the prayers of our queen are particularly important, but there will, we will be saved from destruction as a nation. See, that's what's happening in the EU. We would lose our, our identity as a nation, just bit by bit. But we will be saved, and we're seeing the first manifestation of the salvation of Britain in coming out of the EU. And the second stage is a revival to come, and a restoration to our Christian roots that is coming. And it's, the key to that is prayer. And thank God for the ladies who I believe will take the lead in this prayer. But that does not excuse us men. It says, America will feed the world, but finally collapse. Russia and China will destroy each other. Finally, Russia will be free, and from her, believers will go forth and turn many from the nations to God. And so, many parts of that prophecy have come true. And so, it is an encouragement for us that God, even though we've been under a curse, we've lost empire, we have almost come to the point of destruction as a nation, uh, the first step of that was when the Scottish referendum went the right way because that would have been a further disintegration but God saved us there and now God has saved us and is beginning to save us from the EU and so as a nation God has saved us already but there is so much more that we need to pray for for God to use us again as a nation in our intercessions and what I want to get into next time is really how do we intercede? What is the keys to intercession? Because in our intercession, we are dealing with the principalities and powers that are trying to control the nations, that are controlling those in authority and controlling those who have authority. And we are responsible to pray for them. We are not called to criticize our leaders. You know, our main thing is we must pray for them because Satan and his principalities and powers have been given a place of spiritual rulership over the nations and therefore our rulers need our prayers otherwise they will come under the wrong influence but we can bring them under the influence of God and he can determine their decisions so that we can fulfill not only can we live in peace but we can have the freedom to preach the gospel and we mustn't take that for granted it's a daily intercession battle to push back the powers of darkness. We're going to see that the moment we stop interceding, then the powers of darkness come back. But while we are interceding, the power of God is far greater and it pushes them back more and more. And so the church in this land must first of all win the battle in the air. You know, the Battle of Britain <laughs> was won in the air first. We have to win the battle 
in the spirit in the heavenly spiritual places the battle for our nation thank god this battle you know we have won an initial battle with this referendum um, but there is much more to be prayed for you may not know who should be in authority but you can still pray you can still lift our rulers to the lord you may not agree with their politics but you are still responsible to pray for them Ask that God give them wisdom, that God's influence on them, and that to bind the principalities and powers and their influence on them. We have the authority to do that. Next time, I want to share with you exactly from the scriptures how we intercede and the amazing authority we have to stand before God and intercede for our nation. We, we can make a big difference. We will see that it men of God like Abraham and uh, Moses and women of God like Esther, they actually changed the course of their nations through intercession. And I believe any great man of God, any great woman of God, whether it be Daniel or Moses or whoever, they are first of all intercessors. Your whole ministry flows out of your prayer life. Don't think you can just walk into your ministry you know, to be seen by men. Your main ministry, your first ministry, is before God. And as you minister before God in intercession, you are become tuned into the will of God. You hear what God is saying to you, and you pray that out for your nation, and you walk it out in your own life and ministry. But if you don't have that strong ministry before God as a priest, you will not be able to fulfill God's will very well in the earth as a king so i want to encourage you god is calling you to rise up to take your place as an intercessor to come before god and say god i want you to use me i want to have a close relationship with you i want you to show me what i should pray for i want to be faithful in my ministry of intercession and particularly to pray for those who are in authority. That's what 1 Timothy says. Pray for kings and those who are in authority because what happens to them affects everything else. Rise up, intercessors. Success of our Christian life is based on prayer, our prayer life. And in this series uh, of eight CDs, I go through, basing it on the Lord's Prayer, all the different principles of prayer and the different kinds of prayer that, that you need to understand about. In fact, it's not just one series of eight CDs, but we have Principles of Prayer Part 2, and Principles of Prayer Part 3, and Principles of Prayer Part 4. So actually, there's uh, 32 CDs altogether that take you all through the subject of prayer. And uh, if you order one, it's normally £20, but if you order two, each one after that, is only 10 pounds so we give you a discount if you want to take on the whole series so get built up in the area of prayer you're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every sunday at 11 a.m and 6 p.m at cheney school headington oxford ox3 7qh you can order cds dvds books and other great products from our online shop at www oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086